0: Welcome to Biology Lessons on Air. My name is Veronica Thanasiou, and this episode is based on the syllabus for IB Biology. I am going to be referring to the book by Damon McGonigal, Tosto and Ward, Pearson Edition. Section 2 Molecular Biology 2.1 Molecules to Metabolism in the second edition is on page 51. Molecular biology explains living processes in terms of chemical substances involved. So we are going to be looking at the chemical molecules that make up living organisms and the processes in which these molecules are involved. Living organisms control their composition by a complex web of chemical reactions. Organic chemistry is the chemistry of carbon compounds. Biochemistry is the branch of organic chemistry that attempts to explain the chemistry characteristics of living organisms. That means the molecules and biochemical processes. All living organisms are made up of molecules that can be classified into one of four types. They are the biochemical groupings, carbohydrates, lipids, proteins, and nucleic acids. There is an example about um, a biochemical important process involving biochemically important molecules. The example is on page 52 and it explains a living process in terms of the chemical substances involved and predictable interaction patterns between them. So insulin is a protein that interacts with protein channels of the cell membrane to increase their permeability to glucose when in high concentration in the bloodstream. The DNA in the nucleus codes for insulin and the protein channels glucose is a carbohydrate. So as you can see in the process of control of glucose level in the blood, there are, we just mentioned two proteins, insulin, which is the hormone, it's a protein, and the protein channels of the cell membrane that are the ones that need to be open so that the glucose molecules can go from the bloodstream into the interstitial fluid and then into the cytoplasm of the cells so there they would be if it's the liver cells they would be transformed to glycogen in uh, in animals or they will go and form fatty acids because insulin and the protein channel on the membrane are both proteins, they need to be synthesized on the ribosome. But the instruction for making or synthesizing a protein uh, depends on the DNA. In the DNA, each gene codes for a particular protein. So we have mentioned two of the important groupings of molecules in living organisms protein and nucleic acid and all of this is to control the level of glucose in the blood because too much glucose would increase the concentration of the blood and too little glucose would mean that there is not enough fuel being supplied to the respiring cells to get energy and the person would faint. Well, glucose is a carbohydrate. So there you have a simple example of a living process, which is which one of the eight living processes that you studied? The one that controls or regulates the internal environment. Very good. Homeostasis. And uh, the chemical substances involved are glucose, which is a simple sugar, a type of carbohydrate, the protein insulin, which is a hormone, protein channels that are structural proteins in the cell membrane, and the importance of the DNA in the nucleus of the cells, the cells of the pancreas for the production of insulin and the cells where, for example, the liver cells are made. So the liver could be for the production of the proteins in the protein channels of the cells. Because the four main groups of molecules present in all living organisms that we mentioned, carbohydrates, lipids, proteins, and nucleic acids contain carbon, uh, life on earth is described as carbon-based. Organic chemistry studies compounds that contain carbon. Carbon dioxide is one of the few carbon containing substances that is not classified as organic. So CO2 is an inorganic compound. Most organic compounds contain carbon and hydrogen. There are a few exceptions. Now let's look at the carbon atom. Carbon can form four covalent bonds, allowing a diversity of stable compounds to exist. Remember that the atomic number of carbon is six, which means that it has six electrons, six protons, and six neutrons. If you remember the configuration of atoms, In simple terms, the nucleus is formed by the protons that are positively charged and the neutrons and then the electrons. Orbit around the nucleus. And there is a first layer of electrons that are closest to the nucleus that fits up to two electrons. So if the carbon atom is made up of six electrons then it means that the first layer near the nucleus is going to be filled up by those two electrons and the four remaining electrons are found in the outermost layer but the outermost layer can contain up to eight electrons that means that there are four spaces to be filled by other electrons That means the carbon atoms can form four covalent bonds. Other common elements in living organisms in addition to carbon are hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and phosphorus. They form covalent bonds with carbon and or with each other. So organic compounds are made up of carbon and hydrogen sometimes carbon hydrogen and oxygen sometimes carbon hydrogen oxygen and nitrogen and sometimes carbon hydrogen oxygen nitrogen and phosphorus biochemical compounds that are important to living organisms can be classified in different types Molecules of the same type have certain qualities in common and become fairly easy to recognize with a little practice. On table 2.1 on page 54, there are some of the more common biochemically important molecules and their subcomponents or building blocks. You've heard about some of these. Carbohydrates are made up of monosaccharides, Lipids are made up of glycerol, fatty acids, and phosphate groups. Proteins are made up of amino acids. And nucleic acids are made up of nucleotides. Make sure that you learn Table 2.1. The building blocks of the biochemically important molecules are arranged into different subcategories. So, for instance... Carbohydrates um, that are composed by monosaccharides, we find them in living organisms as monosaccharides like glucose, galactose, fructose, or ribose, but we also find them as disaccharides when two monosaccharides get together. Some examples are lactose, which is the sugar found in milk, and sucrose, which is table sugar. They are made up, each one, of monosaccharides, So they are called disaccharides and then the polysaccharides that we have mentioned already that are the insoluble storage carbohydrates like starch and glycogen and the structural carbohydrates cellulose that make up the cellulose cell wall in plants and chitin that makes up the cell wall in fungi. Proteins um, are all made up of amino acids, and there are many types of proteins. There are no subcategories. There are some larger or uh, smaller proteins, but they are not classified in groups. However, it is important to remind yourself that examples of proteins are enzymes, but also hormones, antibodies, and the structural proteins found in the the cell membrane. The other important category of biologically important molecules are the lipids. And we have studied the phospholipids that make up the bilayer in cell membrane, and the triglycerides, that is, fat stored in adipose cells, They are the ones that have the typical structure that we learned of glycerol and three fatty acids. And then there's steroids that have a ring structure. Now, some hormones are steroid, like the sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone. But also an important component of the cell membrane is a steroid. Do you remember a lipid that is present in the cell membrane of animals? cholesterol and finally the le- the fourth category that we've been mentioning is the the group of the nucleic acids uh, again it's um, it just consists of DNA which is deoxyribonucleic acid RNA which is ribonucleic acid adenosine triphosphate, which is ATP. We're gonna be studying all of these molecules in this section of our syllabus. Metabolism. Metabolism is the web of all enzyme-catalyzed reactions in a cell or in an organism. Metabolism is a group of many chemical reactions that take place inside living organisms and they are catalyzed by specific enzymes. Chemical reactions in the body are taking place all the time. Metabolic pathways consists of hundreds of chemical reactions. And when I talk about metabolic pathway, I'm talking respiration, I'm talking photosynthesis. They These are important life processes that we have outlined since you started studying science. And we know exactly in which part of the cell they take place. Remember, the cytoplasm, consists mostly of water. So these are reactions that are taking place in the cytoplasm. We also said that the cell membrane contains um, enzymes. So some of the proteins in the cell membrane act as enzymes and remember that the mitochondria and the chloroplasts are membrane bound organelles. So in photosynthesis and respiration, some of the enzymes are be part of the cell membranes. And we will be looking at these metabolic pathways in detail. So when you look at a figure showing a summary of the chemical reactions taking place, for example, in respiration, um, you realize the complexity of such reactions. Now, imagine a bunch of atoms and molecules floating about in the cytoplasm of the cell in order for the reactions to take place these atoms have to collide the collisions themselves need to be in the in a right position in a right uh, angle in a right orientation at the right time Uh, and so it is imperative that the specific enzymes are present f- for a particular metabolic pathway to be completed. And since respiration, it's a vital process, then you can realize the importance of the enzymes. So make sure that you understand the basic process of enzyme activity enzymes are biological catalysts make sure that you are able to explain what that is to yourself and um, other basic concepts is to bear in mind that enzymes are proteins that catalysts are needed to speed up the rate of the reactions and that vital processes for life consists of many small steps or many separate chemical reactions that are all catalyzed by specific enzymes. In the book you have an example to illustrate the complexity of metabolism And uh, it's the synthesis of ATP. Put simply, the reaction involves a molecule of ADP, which is adenosine diphosphate, plus an extra phosphate group that is added using a lot of energy, produces ATP, which stands from adenosine triphosphate. Now, the energy comes from food and during cell respiration, so cell respiration produces ATP molecules or sunlight in photosynthesis. The odds of the two reactants colliding at a very high speed at exactly the correct orientation leading to a new covalent bond formed between the phosphate group and the ADP is extremely small. That is where an enzyme comes into place. The enzyme acts as a catalyst for the reaction. The catalyst will not be used up, so the enzyme will be available to act as a catalyst many times over. The ATP reactant fits into part of the enzyme's active site. And the inorganic phosphate group reactant fits perfectly oriented next to it in the Enzyme. within a small fraction of a second the two reactants become covalently bonded to each other so in effect three molecules are involved in the collision the enzyme the adp and the p but only two of them result in the production of atp the atp which is the product of the reaction, is then released from the active site and the enzyme is ready for another collision with another ADP and another phosphate group. The catalysis provided by the enzyme enables this reaction to occur at a much higher reaction rate and with less collisional energy compared with the same reaction occurring without the enzyme. Other Examples of metabolism reactions is a replication of DNA that we will study in detail. The synthesis of RNA, synthesis of protein. What do you understand by synthesis? Synthesis makes when we make a molecule, when we produce a molecule. Another important um, group of metabolic reactions are the ones involved in cellular respiration and of course, photosynthesis. Metabolism is best thought about from a molecular perspective. Often people think only of physiological parameters like heart rate, digestion as their metabolism. But remember that metabolism is all of the reactions within all of the cells of an organism. Some of the enzyme-catalyzed reactions taking place in the cells of living organisms convert large complex molecules into smaller, simpler molecular forms. This is called catabolism. Other enzyme-catalyzed reactions carry out the reverse. They convert small, simple molecules into a larger, more complex molecule. This is called anabolism. So metabolism consists of two groups of reactions, the ones where larger molecules are synthesized, called anabolism, and the ones where large molecules are broken down into simpler molecules, called catabolism. Metabolism equals catabolism and anabolism anabolism includes the formation of macromolecules from monomers by condensation reactions condensation is a process in which um, gas becomes a liquid well basically a condensation reaction is a reaction in which water is produced so when smaller molecules combined to form a larger molecule in metabolism usually a molecule of water is produced for every covalent bond that is formed between the monomers when forming the macromolecule in catabolism which is the breakdown of complex molecules into simpler molecules uh, it includes the hydrolysis of macromolecules into monomers. Hydrolysis, hydro-water-lysis uh, breaking, is the breaking of a large molecule using water. In the book on page 57, you have four examples of hydrolysis reactions where you have Lactose, which is a disaccharide, plus water breaks down to galactose and glucose, which are the monosaccharides that make it up. So that is the hydrolysis of a disaccharide, and it is a hydrolysis reaction. Hydrolysis of a polysaccharide to many monosaccharides, so starch and water will make many glucose molecules. Hydrolysis of a triglycerol lipid to glycerol and fatty acids. It needs three molecules of water because there are three fatty acids. And the hydrolysis of a polypeptide, a protein, to amino acids. So when a protein is broken down to amino acids during digestion, for instance, water molecules are used. This is why digestion uses a lot of water. Condensation reactions are illustrated on page 58, and one example is the condensation of amino acids to form a polypeptide, which is the opposite of what I just described. When amino acids get together and form a long chain of uh, amino acids called a polypeptide chain, um, it releases water. So it is a condensation reaction. We're going to end this episode talking about the falsification of the theory of vitalism. Until the early 1800s, scientists believed that the difference between inanimated objects and living organisms was a vital force that made the atoms and molecules Present in living organisms behave in the way they did. So there was something like a, a spirit or a ghost or something invisible. And that was scientifically accepted. That was because scientists thought that all of the organic compounds were produced by living organisms. So it wasn't until a German chemist called... Frederick Waller, forgive my pronunciation, the German speakers. He put two substances together, two inorganic substances, cyanic acid and ammonium. This is described on page fifty-eight in your book. They put th- he put them in a beaker. He noticed the formation of a crystalline substance that looked familiar to him. He was already familiar with urea crystals because they are present in urine urine uh, remember that contains a lot of urea which is a nitrogenous compound that results from excess amino acids in the body again like excess glucose in the blood Excess nitrogen has to be eliminated because it becomes toxic. So, urea is synthesized in the body and it goes to the kidneys to be excreted as urine. Until then, scientists didn't think it was possible to synthesize any organic compound in the laboratory. So, in 1828, when urea was synthesized for the first time, the theory of vitalism was falsified so notice two things we are bringing up a few keywords and a few facts that we've already mentioned before what does this remind you of it was not waller's intention well it should be wooler because it has those two dots on the o he didn't fully appreciate the meaning and consequences of his findings at the time he put the substances together and it wasn't his intention to synthesize an organic compound. Do you remember the word that we used to describe a happy or successful or important outcome when it wasn't meant to be? Serendipity. So this is another example of serendipity but it wasn't pure luck because he noticed the crystals and he studied what those crystals could be and he realized it was urea. So what does this show about the nature of science? Well, one is the falsification of the theory. So scientific theories undergo modifications over time because as new evidence appears, then some of the theories are falsified. Other theories are just modified. Another um, observation is that frequently important discoveries are made accidentally, in quotes. So in this case, um, it was fortunate that Dr. Wula mixed um, cyanic acid and ammonium in a beaker. It wasn't his intention to make urea, but there you go. And finally, um, many times a scientific discovery is not appreciated immediately for its importance. So never give up. This is one of the reasons why discoveries need to be published. This is very important in science. It is is extremely um, valuable to write what you do in the laboratory and what you find. Even if you don't find what you were expecting, but you describe an experiment, it will help other scientists who are trying to study what you were trying to study, not to do what you did because it didn't work. So it is important for the entire scientific community to fit new knowledge into the bigger picture of science. That sometimes happens much later.